0: Welcome to Momentum Church. It's good to be with you, and I wanna just say welcome to 2022, amen? Yeah. I know we had services last week. But always that first Sunday of the new year, attendance is a little bit lower, and so I'm glad you're here today, ready to receive what God has for you in this coming year. And um, I want to just kind of give you an announcement. I announced this to the church last week. You've probably seen it on our Facebook posts and things, but we always begin the year kind of giving God our first fruits in the sense of our first attention, our first focus. We really want to go into the new year and set it up on a foundation of leaning into and focusing on God and his word. And so what we do every year around here, if you're new, we do a three-week fast, a three-week fast. And we always announce it the week before, so we announced it last Sunday, um, but it'll start tomorrow, okay? So the fast will run from the 10th tomorrow to the 30th, which is a Sunday, and it will end that Sunday night on the 30th together. We, we collectively come in here, and we break fast with So Oh, you... T- yeah, there you go. How many enjoy some breakfast? So, oh, you will after three weeks, I'm telling you. No, so we come together, we have breakfast and fellowship. And um, so we want to invite you to start the fast with us tomorrow and to finish it with us on the 30th. In the middle of the fast, we always have a night of worship just to come in and, and lift our hearts before the Lord. That'll happen on the 19th, Wednesday the 19th at 7 p.m. And so put these things on your calendar. Start the fast tomorrow, we'll end it together on the 30th, and we'll come together and worship in a time of, of, of just, um, you know, uh, worship and, and song and, and praise on the 19th. Now, some of you may be saying, Pastor, I've never done a fast. Well, it's your first time. Ready? You ready to start? Yeah. And that's all right. Fasting is just separating food from your body for a season as you focus from the carnal, the fleshly, not that food is bad, Amen. Don't you lie to me? You all had some Christmas, and New Year's Day stuff. I'm telling, not that food is bad, okay, but it allows us. You're going to feel pangs. You're going to have your consciousness, in a sense, just elevated to that place where, oh, I'm doing something spiritual right now. God is more important than what I'm important than what I'm putting in my mouth. And so, a fast is a season where we set aside the carnal for the eternal. We set aside the flesh for the spirit. We set aside me for Jesus. Amen or yourself for Jesus. And so some of you are like, but you, pastor, am I not supposed to eat for three weeks? No, you give what the Lord lays on your heart to him as a sacrifice, all right? And so obedience is better than sacrifice. Whatever he speaks to your heart, that's what you do. For some of you you may give up coffee and you're like, I wanna shoot my pastor right now. You know, for others of you, it might be lunch at work to pull away from your friends and, 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 and comrades at work and be able to focus on the word and focus on the Lord. And so it may just be lunch. For some of you, you may do a Daniel fast. What is that? That's just vegetables, no sweetbreads, no desserts, you know, just vegetables and such like that. You know, so, and, and you know my feeling on vegetarianism. So, no. It, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Some of you, you might feel led. I'm fasting everything but water, you know? Um, and so it's not about, look what I'm fasting. It's about obedience. What is the Lord laying on your heart to do and why? And the reason is to draw closer in the spirit and allow the flesh to be be. Buffeted a little bit during that season. And man, God does some things. If you heard um, our sermon last Sunday, one of the things we said that strongholds, the Bible will say some things come out only through prayer and fasting. It's a tool. It's a, it's a powerful tool. If you missed last Sunday, please go back, because I talked about making a new beginning in your life, okay, making a new beginning in your life, and I gave you some practical principles from the scripture on how to in that national blocks, different ones in your life, and one of those blocks is fasting, all right, and so we're going to begin that next, like tomorrow, okay, and so that's that. I just want to bring that to your mind. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to open your Bibles to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, chapter 8 it may take you a little bit of time to get there but go ahead and start nehemiah chapter 8 and the word the lord laid on my heart to be able to bring to us for 2022 is the word simplify say simplify i just feel like we need to make things more simple in life amen how many is like oh yes i need simplicity in my life things get so complex and sometimes we make faith complex Sometimes we make faith abstract, and, and all faith really is in Jesus is friendship. I mean, it's, it's a relationship, but sometimes we can miss that. And so I want us to draw toward simplicity and simplify things in our faith. One of the areas that I'm doing that, if you'll notice, are the lights up a little more right now? You, can you see your Bibles? Yes, you can. We did that on purpose. If you missed the announcement last week or on our Facebook post, I want you to begin bringing your physical Bibles to church. Oh, guest. Ross. It's 2022. I know God can anoint your U you Version Bible on your phone. I I get that, but I want you bringing your physical Bibles, not your fake Bibles. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. It's not a fake Bible, but sometimes when you're doing your devotional life, sometimes those notifications popping kind of are a distraction, you know what I mean? And um, I think you can turn those notifications off in different apps. But all I'm saying is bring your Bible, all right, and bring your notebook. If you don't have a Bible, let us know so we can get you one, okay? But bring your Bibles and your notebooks. 2022, we will have these lights up often so that you can see your Bible and your notebooks, and I'll explain why here in a little bit. But I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 8, and I'm reading out of the New International Version. My Bible actually is the English Standard Version, so I'm just going to read it on, on there, okay? But I want you to hear this passage of Scripture. And actually, it kind of ties into last week, even though I didn't plan it that way. Last week, we talked about the rebuilding of the temple when the Israelites came back to Jerusalem. And and at this point, the temple is being, you know, finished and everything. And it's time for them to get back into the Word of God, back into reading Scripture and and presenting the Word to the people. And that's where we come upon this part of this story. And so in verse 5, Ezra opened the book. That for them would have been the Torah, okay? He opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. Feel familiar? See, I'm biblical. No. It says, (laughs) and as he biblical, that's why people all stood up. You thought I just did that for my own sake. I've been biblical. That's why I always have you stand for the honoring of the reading of God's word. It's something in the Bible, right? Did you know that? In verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. I love that. So be it, so be it. They were thrilled that the word of God was being presented again. And they're like, yeah, bring it. Everybody say, bring it. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, there's, Amen, Amen. They're excited about this moment, and then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It sounds like they were having a church service. Amen. We need more of bring it. We need more of Amen. We need more of bowing down with our faces to the floor in honor of what God is saying to us through His His Word. This is an exciting day in these people's lives. Verse 7 gives a list of different Levitical people's names. I'm going to not try to pronounce them today. Amen? But it says, The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there, and they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people understood what was being read. Let me say this again. They read from the book. Amen? Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? They read from the book of the law, they made it clear, and they gave meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And so <clears throat> that's awesome. That's, that's what I want as a body. I want us to open the word, I want us to read the word, I want us to understand the word and to fall in love with the God that reveals himself through the word. A lot of Christians, they are moral A lot of Christians are social and spiritual and political, but they're not biblical. And the the reason why is because we don't read the Bible. It's hard to live out a manual when you don't read it. I know you men get the, 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 the manual on how to put this desk together. You look at it, and then you build an atrocity. And some of us in our lives are like that. I know this will help me. But I'll figure it out intuitively. No, you won't. Because the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. I'm not saying you're evil. I'm just saying you're evil. No. Our hearts are just wicked. We, we hurt ourselves because we don't help ourselves by knowing the word of the Lord. And so I want you to begin to, my pastor would do this. I loved when Pastor Blair would do this. He'd hold his Bible. You just see pastor a lot of times just just preaching and holding his Bible. I'd walk in his office and he would just be there praying and just holding his Bible. There's something about. it. I know this sounds silly. When I buy a new Bible, I've had like four in the last three decades. When I buy a new Bible, I, I'll just has to feel right. It has to feel right. I know that sounds stupid. I'm a tactile person, okay? But I just want. I just has to feel right. And then and then my buddy Mitch goes, our saxophone player, and he puts a, a leather. This is awesome. It's my Bible, and I know it's just. Something tangible, but man, the spirit of the Lord speaks to me out of this. Ooh, it comforts me out of this. Man, two years ago, as I read through the Psalms, man, he just spoke to my heart. That's all I did for two months was just, or three months was just read through the Psalms and discover that David was a mess too. David was a complaint. David, man, he was such a, 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 how do you say that? Witching and moaner. I mean, I just all the time. But then he would remind himself of who God is and begin to change his perspective, change his heart. And he became a man after God's own heart. That's all I want. I'm not perfect, but I do want to be a man after God's own heart. And I can't if I don't know God's heart. Well, I'll pray my way to understanding. Maybe. Man, it's so much easier when you hear the word of God. My brother-in-law often, I'll have you sit in a second. My brother-in-law often would say this. Y'all want to hear the word of God? You want to hear God's word for your life? And then he'd just open up the Bible and start reading. No, no, we want some supernatural download. Man, we won't even go to the bank and put our ATM card in to get a withdrawal. And we're asking for a supernatural download. And so I want us to have a supernatural download this year as we take that simple responsibility of opening the word, hearing from the word, and then I ask you to bring your notebooks. Why? Because there'll be things that'll pop in your spirit. And yes, God will give you a download. When you apply yourself, he'll speak to you. Amen? He'll draw near to those who draw near to you. Lord, do you think God from heaven sees the Bible? Do you think God from heaven sees your notebook? He's looking over the seal, sapphire seal of heaven's gate. And he's looking and he's like, hmm, I'm going to give them a download. They're ready to receive. They got something they want to write down. Well, I'm going to honor that with my word. Not just the word of God now, but also that raiment, that spoken word right from the throne of God. Amen? So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do in our lives as a church this year. And Lord God, we will open our words. We'll be responsible. We'll start to listen and write and be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seats. So two years ago, if you recall right, we started the year off together during the fast beginning to look at the seven I am's of Jesus. And that was out of the book of John. And so we looked at the seven I am's, things like I am the light of the world, I am the great shepherd, etc. And we did that because we wanted to be able to have an understanding of who Jesus is. If we're serving him, we should know who he is. Then last year, we stayed with the person of John as he wrote the book of Revelations. And I thought, well, you know what? We need to know who Jesus is, but we're his church. We ought to know who we are. And so last year, we went to the Revelations, and we looked at the seven churches written about in Revelations, and how they affect our lives, and how we should live being Jesus's church. Well, this year, what we're going to do over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at the person that wrote both John, the gospel, and also the book of Revelations. John wrote both of those books, and this year, over the next seven weeks, we're going to begin to look at who we are and who we should be as, as rather, I'm sorry, we're going to be to look at, at, at what God was revealing to John and how John was writing things down so that we can understand better Jesus. We're going to open the word of God to learn about the son of God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It is. We're going to do it from the book of John. Now, we've done smaller whole books before. If you've been with us for any length of time, you've seen us. We've done Galatians and Philippians, and we, we did Hosea years ago, and, and, and a little bit of Ruth we did, and, and we've done sections of Scripture where we've walked through a book. We did Hebrews one year as we walked through portions of Hebrews. But what I want to do this year is I want us to look at the gospel of John in its entirety there's 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. I hope some of you are like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be simple. This is going to be so good. I hope you get that in your spirit, right? There's 21 chapters. And no, listen, we're not going to go through all 21 Straight Is that okay? We're not going to go right through them. But as we go to John, we will go sequentially through the gospel of John, through the 21 chapters of John. We won't be able to cover it all in these next seven weeks. And so what we'll be doing is this year, we're going to be doing four to six, four to seven week blocks of John. We'll jump in his word together. We're going to learn his word so that we can know him. We'll jump into a block together, and then I have five other series that we'll be doing this year throughout those blocks, all right? So we'll jump into John. I'm going to get real studious with you. I want you to bring your Bibles, your notebooks, as we walk through the 21 chapters of John. And then every month and a half or so, we will roll back into a series for a few weeks and cover things that need to be covered topically. Does that make sense? You like that? good. I don't care if you don't. (laughs) It's what the Lord laid in my heart. Amen. And it's going to be good. And it's different for me as well. So this is different for you. This is different for me. But I want you as a body to understand where we're headed. And it's going to be good. Because God's word is good. Amen. And so we'll be studying together as we learn over the next seven weeks. If you want to write this down in your notes. John chapter 1 through John 4 verse 45. John chapter 1 through john 4 verse 45 we have seven sermons in those four chapters that we're going to be discovering now when it comes to the book of john augustine a great theological leader of the church he said this the gospel of john is deep enough that an elephant could drown but shallow enough that a child could swim is that good Um, You all know who Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, he said this, if the whole of God's word was lost and only one book remained, John would be enough. That's why we're going to look at the book of John, because in some ways, it's enough. Thank God there are 65 other books of the Bible, amen? But this is the first of this size that we as a church have ever taken on to know it. To understand it, to live the truths of it, to find who Jesus is in it, and to fall in love with Jesus at a whole nother level. Amen. And that's what we're going to do. So I want you to turn your Bibles to John 20. We're going to go to the end. Actually, there's 21 chapters, but we want to go to John 20 because the last couple of verses of John 20, John gives the purpose for his book. And so today we're going to set up the purpose of John and we're going to look at who John was and what that means for us. What invitation have we from Jesus because of what experiences John had with Jesus. In John 20, though, it tells us the purpose. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So the whole book of John, you're seeing signs and wonders and powerful things that Jesus is doing. It's getting close to the end of this gospel. And John will let you know, man, I could not even write about all the stuff I've seen the last three years. It has been phenomenal. Verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Literally, John just spells it out. He spells it out. He says, I've written this gospel, number one, so that you'll believe. Number two, so you'll have life. How many want to have life? John 10.10, 10, you hear me say this all the time. John said later on in his gospel that Jesus comes to give life and the life that we have he, to make that life more abundant. Shout more. more. To, I like more. And he wants us to have more of life. And so, in the twofold purpose, believe Jesus and by believing, have life. I'm just simplifying it. The whole book of John, we need to believe and experience life. Believe and experience life. And you might say, well, Pastor, I do believe. I, let, me, let me give you the Greek word here that is used for belief. It's pistuo, pistuo. And there's many people like, I do believe, but for some reason I'm still not experiencing life. And I'm not saying life that's always hunky-dory, perfect, and rose-colored, glassed, you know. I'm not saying, we can go through stuff and still experience life in the middle of the stuff, you know. And so believing and having life, pastuo, that word, is not the idea that you're believing that something is true, okay? I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave. I believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I believe that he will come back again someday. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. That's not pastuo. Pastuo is belief in. It's different. It's not belief that. You can put that in your notes. It's belief in. When I say your notes, also, if it goes too fast on any given Sunday, go to www.mymomentumchurch.tv. And the notes for today are in there, and so you can take your time with it through the week, all right? But that's pastuo. I believe that. No, no, I believe in. I believe in Jesus. I put my confidence in Jesus. I live in such a way that is different because I live in Jesus. In him I live. In him I move. In him, the Bible says, I have my being, Waking up every day, I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price, why? Because I'm in him. That's pastuo, that's belief right there, all right? For my 20 or 40th birthday, I got a gift to be able to go parachuting. How many's got to parachute before? Okay, I, I will just fast track it and tell you, go do it, okay? But I got the gift for my 40th birthday, and I got it like right the week of my birthday, around November. You had to use that certificate within a year. It was literally the 16th of November when I finally went and used it. My birthday's the 17th. So yes, I believe that that parachute was going to save me, but for 364 days, I really didn't believe in the parachute to save me. And I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And I didn't want to be disrespectful to the person who gave me the gift. And so finally, I'm just like, okay, let's go. So we show up at this place. And guess who greets us? A man in a wheelchair. God as my witness. I'm serious. We, we walk up, the door opens, and this guy's like, hi, welcome to Air Acres. I think, I, no, well, that's over across the street. I forgot what the name of the place was. Hey, welcome to the place you might die at or get crippled. And, and I'm just like, Oh. So in that moment, my belief that parachutes bring people down all the time safely. And I saw people in there packing their chutes and doing all the work. And I'm like, surely not that many are going to die today. Don't let it be me. I didn't know if I could believe in the parachute to capture my own life and bring it down safely. Then I get in there and I do the paperwork, which basically means if you do do anything wrong, if you die, it's your fault. You know, like, like that doesn't help your confidence, I believe that the plane, the pilot's decent at this. I believe that my flight instructor knows what he's doing. I believe that me strapped to this guy is going to help me bring me down. But as it approaches, I don't know if I believe in this moment. And then I look in the hall and there's a memorial to a young man. And not that I had forgot about this young man. I just didn't realize it was the same place. And there's a memorial to a young man that I had buried a decade prior. Not quite a decade, maybe seven years prior. He was just about 20 years old and he was on his 99th jump. He was doing, I think, three jumps that day. He was trying to get to 100. And on his 99th jump, that dude, this guy knows what he's doing. Something went wrong and this young man died. And so I see that memorial and I'm just like, "Ooh, that made, it made things worse. I believe that, the parachute, but I'm not sure if I can believe in the parachute. And so I just had to do it anyway. And, man, coming down out of that sky, amazing. I would say you can believe in the parachute. You know, it'll get you. But you can see the difference, okay? Believing in, man, you're putting yourself at risk. Believing in, you're, you're, you're living the experience. Be- believing in, you're walking in the invitation. Believing in, there is fear and, and struggle when you believe in, but there's exhilaration also. As long as I just kept believing that and didn't do it for myself, I never would have experienced those things. That's the difference between pastuo. If you believe in him or not, the Bible says if you believe in him, you will experience life. That you'll believe in Jesus and that you'll experience life. If you don't believe in him, The scripture will show us, especially in John 3. We'll see that in a little bit, in a couple weeks, three weeks. um, You'll see that that not believing, you experience death. Believing is a very important, important thing. And so even our, our mission statement, when it comes to this idea of life and experiencing more, our mission statement around here is leading people on an adventure to more in life through Jesus. That's what you're getting an invitation to this year. Through the scripture, to go on an adventure in life, to more in life through Jesus. And so I want you to apply yourself to that adventure. I want you to have your notebooks. I want you to have your Bible. I want you to, to, during the course of the week, we're going to give you at the end of this sermon what we're studying next week. Go ahead and begin to read it and study it on your own. I think it's exciting because we together as a church will be on this journey together week to week, amen? Amen. It will highlight our conversations. It will highlight our times together. God will speak to you from his word, and you will share it in fellowship with others in the church. Amen? God will speak to you from his word that you're receiving more in life through Jesus, and your friends and your family will begin to hear the witness of Jesus through you. This is the witness of Jesus and John through to us. It's his witness of Jesus to us. But, man, God wants his witness of Jesus to go into the world through you. And that can't happen if we don't know Him, if we don't live with Him, for Him, if we don't live and believe in Him. Amen? And so let me, let me go into the next section of this here. Just who knows you best? You know, I mean, obviously you're a spouse if you're married, but normally that person that knows you best, usually even better than your mom and dad, because you're not being honest with your folks. I'm 40 some years old. I still don't tell my folks everything, right? but you've got some best friends, a best friend, a friend that, that over time you have grown to be a lot alike, that over time you have learned to trust each other, that over time you believe in, you know, and they believe in you. And, and that's really what was going on here. When Jesus walked the earth, he had a best friend. Man, I would love to have been Jesus' best friend in the flesh, you know, what's up, homie? I walked on water, <laughs> oh. That'd be awesome. Man, you tie this up good, you know. Man, that's who John was. Isn't that awesome? He was his best friend. And I'll explain that here in a little bit more. But he was, he was his best friend when Jesus was on the earth. And John, like I said, he was a witness. He not only was a witness, he was an eyewitness to Jesus' entire ministry. And really, no one knew Jesus better than John. Long after Jesus had returned to heaven and all the other disciples literally had died, the last eyewitness of Jesus was reaching the end of his life. And that was John. That was John. I Man, he had experienced all this long life and was able to reflect on his friendship with Jesus, the experiences that they had, the ministry that they had. And now you watch him as he sits down and he begins to write his gospel. The gospel is the good news. As he begins to write the good news of what he had witnessed, that's what John is. That's the purpose of, of John. And, 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 and all the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they call them synoptic gospels because they look similar, okay? They're synoptic. But John kind of a standalone gospel. Why? He had a standalone relationship with Jesus. It was different than everybody else's. And so now at the end of his life, he begins to write this gospel out. So let me tell you a little about who John is, all right? So John, he, we call him the Apostle John, okay? But John, he was Jesus' first cousin. Did you know that? Yeah, his, his mother, Mary Salome, on that side of the family, he was Jesus' first cousin. Now, when we begin to read in the book of John, the first John we're going to come to is actually John the Baptist, Don't get those two confused, okay? It's John the Baptist, all right? What's crazy is this. John the Baptist was Jesus' second cousin. I'm saying that stuff because I want you to get this idea very from the start, okay? People don't allow themselves to be beheaded for a lie. John the Baptist was beheaded because he would not recant on who Christ was. That was a second cousin. Dude, I just buried my second cousin about a month and a half, two months ago. I knew he was not Jesus, You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's my cousin. Man, this was their first and second cousin, and through their life, they never denied him. He was just that little kid they grew up with, but they saw the divinity on him, and they knew something was different. They knew he literally was the son of God. That's a term used for Jesus in the book of John. His mother, John's mother, um, was, was um, I said, Mary Salome. And his father was, was well, they always call him the sons of Zebedee, okay? And he had two brothers, James and John. They were brothers. And their father and mother, they were the sons of Zebedee. And they were fishermen, like Peter. They were fishermen. And you may not think that's that big a deal. But dude, fishing at that time to have a boat... To have nets, they would usually have other employees and different people. Fishermen would have been a fairly accomplished career at that time, okay? To be an entrepreneur is what it would be like. So you have Peter, James, and John. All three of those were fishermen. But James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were were, um, um, brothers. And so Jesus comes along and he invites James and John to leave their family's trade and to come follow him. So to leave this prosperous endeavor, and it wouldn't just be leaving the trade. Man, you lived to see your kid do what you do. You know what I mean? Like that's just how that time of, 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 of um, the world was. You apprenticed your child, and you brought him into the family business, and, and so on. And so he invites him into the family's trade, and, and says to them, come follow me. And they follow him. Immediately, they left everything, Scripture says, and they begin to follow Jesus. And, and that means that they would have been giving up their income, in some ways, their family relationships, in some ways, dating life. What's the next three years going to look like? You know, Kind of hard to court a girl when we're traveling all the time. I mean, they're leaving everything behind, family status, everything. But he chose no matter what. He chose to follow Jesus. Jesus was choosing, literally, who he wanted to do life with. He was choosing in those moments who he wanted to to walk alongside him while he taught and and wrought miracles and and, and saw so many amazing things, who, who he ate with. He was choosing who he was going to enjoy life with, who he was going to enjoy both the goods and the bads and experiences of ministry together. James and John got picked? Come on. That's so incredible. Think about it. How would it have felt for you if you have received the invite by Jesus to come and follow him? How would that have felt if you would have gotten that same invite? Well, guess what? You have. You have. But sometimes we, we miss thinking about it because we don't have the word in our life. I don't know about you, when I read the word, man, I can see pictures and, and like my mind goes like it's the movies. And I fall in love with Jesus even more as he's the star of, of the gospel of John. And you see all that he's doing and I put myself there. You know, I'm the man with the blind eyes that is healed. I'm the family man that can't feed my kids and I'm on a hillside. And I can see that man. I don't really know if I trust him yet, but we're here all these thousands. And next thing you know, just a few fish, few loaves. And there's enough for me and my family to eat and enough for all these thousands and enough to keep 12 baskets full for the disciples. Come on. <sighs> Makes me realize my Jesus is a provider. I'm the disciple that he says, come follow me. Amen? And as I read his scripture, that comes alive in my mind. Especially as I read it daily, it comes alive. And so you have been invited into this, this teacher-student kind of a relationship with Jesus, mentor, mentee, master, disciple, however you want to word it. But I want you to see by the end of this teaching today, you have not just been invited to all that, you've been invited into a friendship with him, just like John. And so John when people of that era would go to get education, spiritual education, they would not just go to a school. Usually, there was a few schools, but usually you found your teacher. You went to a rabbi and you found a teacher. And most of the time, these rabbis, like Jesus, they were transient teachers as they lived together, traveled together, and grew into a deep Relationship, And here's the thing about this relationship that John had with Jesus and the other disciples. They didn't just come for teaching. They didn't just come for education. They didn't just come for information. Oh, my word, when he said, come follow me, it was an invitation into transformation. It was beyond education. You can go to this book, if you want, and just be studious. There are atheists who study the word from an education standpoint Or you can come to this word like my pastor. Ooh, I'm coming for transformation. Lord, speak to me. I want to see you. I want to know you better. I want to understand your heart better. Speak to me, Jesus. And that's how John's relationship with Jesus was, that of a student and a teacher. But over time, their relationship became more, and they become a special bond between Jesus and John. And, And that special bond was something that didn't happen overnight. It started off the disciples. There's 12. And then as ministry went on, there was an invitation of Peter, James, and John to become the inner circle of what Jesus is doing. Well, that's not fair. Well, you know what? You draw close to him, he draws close to you. Don't look at other people in the church and go like, well, it's not fair how their walk with God is. No, you have the same invitation, but are you drawing close to him into the inner circle? Amen? Well, that's just a click. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's because there's a bunch of people that are just neck deep. You see what I'm saying? Okay, I'm going to say something real practical. I have people in the church at times will act like I don't get pastor's attention. You're right. You have a need, you'll get my attention. Okay, That's not, I'm not saying that. But you don't serve. You don't go neck deep with Jesus. You don't, you're not moving into the inner circle. Come on, right? That's heavy, isn't it? Well, I'm never coming back. Well, that's why you won't grow. Go after God, and next thing you know, you get moved in. I'm not saying move into my favor, but God, when you go after him, you get moved into the favor of the Lord. And next thing you know, you're in the inner circle, and you don't need to be in the inner circle. Pastor, I will let you down. How many years I've let you down? Don't you raise your hands. I will let you down, okay? But you get serious. John got serious. He left everything as a disciple and he followed Jesus' invitation. And then another invitation, another invitation, little micro invitations all the time. And next thing you know, it's Peter, James, and John that get invited to go into the little girl's room when they said, Talitha Kumi, rise up and walk. And that dead girl came too, sat up in her bed, give me some food. They got to see that. The other nine didn't. Well, it wasn't fair the other nine didn't get invited. I'm just saying, as you press in, and these guys were pressing in, next thing you know, something deeper started happening. A bond that was shaping and changing them started to form. And that was John perfect? No. Uh, You know, when you have friends, after a while, you start calling them nicknames. You know what I mean? Like T-Dog. Yo, what's up, T-Dog? I've never called Tyler T-Dog ever. (laughs) I'm going to start calling you T-Dog. No, yeah, we, I've called Cory Corinth since he was a teenager. Corinth, Amy's called, and we've known him since he was a teen. But when you become close, you start to have nicknames. Well, Jesus had a nickname for James and for John. He called them the sons of thunder. Sounds like, like the Steiner brothers, you know? Big Papa, no, geez, Pump, come on. No, it, it sounds like them, but, but that's why he called them, the sons of thunder. Why? Because they were arrogant and they were fiery, and he had a nickname for them, the Sons of Thunder. They even wanted to know, as their mama's asking for, They wanted, can I sit at the right hand of you in heaven? Can I, can I be right there? And some of that could have been arrogance. Some of that could have just been, I, I want to be where you are. Wherever you are, that's where I want to be. But he teased him about being the Sons of Thunder, you know. So he wasn't perfect. He was arrogant, you know. But transformation happens, not education, when you follow the greatest teacher that's ever taught. That's why I can't have you following me, because I'm not the greatest teacher. But as we look at his word, we'll hear directly from the greatest teacher. Amen? We'll hear from Jesus through the gospel of John, because John eyewitnessed all of that. That's what we want. And so I love this, because even though he was arrogant and, and such, God begins to change him. And transformation happens. And he shows us that we can have hope for our foibles, because as he walked with Jesus, he changed. I mean, when Thomas he walked with Jesus and he doubted. Judas walked with Jesus and he betrayed. Peter ended up walking with Jesus and eventually he denied Jesus. Thank God he repented, but he denied. But John walked with Jesus and he stayed steadfast. Hmm. After Jesus' crucifixion, you see Peter denying Jesus, but you see John staying true during this time of testing. Judas denied because he had his own agenda. Sometimes we don't follow us close and move into that inner circle with God, if you will, because we have our own agenda. You don't get invited into what God is doing when you have your own agenda. Uh, Pastor, are you saying I'm not saved? No, 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 this isn't a salvation issue. Man, it's only by grace that you're saved. But the Bible says that your, your gifts will make a way for you, like who you are. And as you're growing and developing, God gives opportunity and favor starts to be seen on your life. And God begins to do something in your life that changes you. And changes other people. Yeah, Judas, he had his own agenda. and Because of that, he denied Jesus. But John was faithful to Jesus and to Jesus' agenda. Judas, Judas failed to learn. But John was thrilled to be a student of Jesus. And in being thrilled and pursuing that relationship, he became Jesus' dearest friend. Do you see why I want to study John? I mean, golly, it's the same invitation we have to be able to draw close into this, this inner circle with the presence of the Lord. As Jesus is crucified, guess guess what, John, guess what he, who he looked to when he was concerned about his mother? Imagine that. Jesus, the son of God, he's on the cross, and he's concerned about mama. That makes sense. He's 100% man, even though he's 100% God. And it wasn't anybody else there but John he looked at. He didn't look at his brothers. He had, he had, had, had um, you know, younger brothers. He didn't look at his brothers. He looked at John and said, take care of her. Take care of my mom. My mother and father are coming here next Saturday to weather the winter of, of they're going to come for a month. We tried to get them to come for two months, but they're going to come for a month to get out of Ohio. And, um, man, wouldn't you do anything for your mom? Oh, I would. Heck, I got I to live in my house. Pray for pastor. It's going to be something because I got mom and dad coming for a month. And, um, but that's, that's the relationship you have with John. John was Jesus' greatest friend. He sees all his friends and his fellow disciples as life and time goes on after Jesus died. He sees every friend and all those disciples that he walked with, he sees them all die a martyr's death. But John just keeps moving, just keeps staying faithful, doesn't get deterred. At one point, they even tried to boil John alive. The, the, The idea, I believe, was that if they could kill him, if they could boil him, It wasn't like we're trying to kill you we're gonna boil you so you'll recant because if, if this person who is such a foundational stone in the early church if this person will deny everything the whole movement falls they've killed all the other disciples and now it's up to john and john has seen everybody killed and now it's up to him and they didn't kill him but they boiled him in oil but he wouldn't recant. I, I can almost picture while they're boiling him, him just imagining his friend he won't back up because I lived this experience. I saw him heal. I saw him set people free. I saw him die, put in a grave, raise again. And I saw him for 40 more days in that glorified body. I saw, ooh, can you imagine that? And because of that, he wouldn't deny. To me, that's one of the greatest points that proves. Jesus was a historical figure and was who he said he was because those people that closest to him would not deny him. His cousins would not deny him. They stayed right there. Isn't that awesome? Man. So that's what's going on with John. He would not relent. I can see him, like I said, picturing Jesus' laughter around the table. Maybe there was a little joke that happened and that little fun wink you give a friend, you know. It's like, we got you, buddy. He could see all that in his mind and he held on through that torture and he did not deny Jesus. John then becomes the, the 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 pastor of the first century. He really was. He was the pastor. Yeah, Paul was the evangelist, travel, preach, plant churches and such, but but John was known by everybody. He was that foundational pastor of that time. They would actually in his older years, they would come and they would carry him because he was crippled up. I can almost see, I don't know what his skin would have been like. If you're a in oil, there may be things that just weren't working right in his body. But the Bible said, or not the Bible, people, will, history will say that they would carry him to congregations, and they would set him down so that he could preach to the people. And they'd carry him to another congregation, and he'd preach to the people, and he'd carry him to another. And you know what he always would say? Very simple. His message that he preached place to place to place was, dear children, love one another. Real simple, because he knew what the power of love had meant to him, and he wanted people to love each other. Dear children, love one another as God has loved us. Eventually, they couldn't kill him, and so eventually they exile him to the Isle of Patmos. That's where we find him in the book of Revelations, on the Isle of Patmos, in isolation, in pain. His body has been ravaged by pain through the years. And we find him in his upper years, there on the Isle of Patmos. And what's so beautiful is Jesus came supernaturally, and he visited with him. Jesus will still come supernaturally and visit with us. He came. He came the one I've served all these years, the one I didn't deny, and now he shows up in in his presence Hmm. and gives him this revelation to write, and that's the book of Revelations while he was there on the Isle of Patmos. So neat. Jesus had said so many years before, John, come follow me. Come follow me. And John still was. John still was. I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, don't stop following him. He'll still come to you. Just don't stop following him. Those sons of thunder had become both loved and full of the love of God and had changed them. Even John would refer to himself in the book of John, he would refer to himself in that gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. Some people say that was his, his he's moved away from arrogance and he doesn't want to say, Jesus loved me. Like, like I'm the one, I'm his best friend. You know, he'd become humble in the presence of Jesus. And he would just refer to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He knew Jesus loved him, and guess what? That changed his identity. And oh, John loved Jesus. I want to invite you to come into into this study of John, knowing that God loves you. And the truth in and of itself that God loves you, it should transform you. And that sounds so simple, doesn't it? I said simplify. Well, Pastor... I know God loves me. No, no, you don't. Not at that level. You don't know yet. I pray as we study John that we'll discover that more, that we can believe in him and we can have life. John knew. I know that we don't really, really know yet. I don't think I know the depths of his love yet. Why? Because if I did, I'd be more transformed. If I did, I'd be more changed. If I did, I wouldn't deal with some of the sins i deal with. If I did, I would have more strength. If I did, I'd have more power. If I did... For his glory, I'd have more, amen. That's what we want. We want to lead us into the adventure of more in life through Jesus Christ this year by looking at his. And so I want you to read, I'm gonna read this final passage, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. John writes three small epistles: first, second, third John. Later on, and I want you to see what he says in this. This isn't a message translation. I just thought this was so neat. Because I want you to understand, this isn't a word that we're reading this year that is secondhand. John has shown us the invitation. He's shown us how it is to live a life with our teacher, with our rabbi, and what that can actually mean in our lives and the lives of others. So the gospel of John wasn't opinion. The gospel of John was testimony, all right? And can I tell you this? A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. John had a testimony, and that testimony carried him through the worst of to- torture, all the things he experienced. And this is what it says, the gospel of John. It says in First John, rather, it says, From the very day we were he- there taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this, the infinite life, there's that life, of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it. And now we're telling you, why? Because they believe in now. They're walking in Jesus. They're seeing the life of Jesus and what that has meant for their lives. And so now we're telling you, so you can experience it along along with us. This experience of communion. I want you to stand to your feet, guys. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Why, Why? Here's the motive. Our motive for writing is simple. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. Man, in fellowship with Him and you experiencing this, Joy will elevate, is what he's saying. And so what was that invitation? It was an invitation into friendship with Jesus, to walk with him as your teacher and to be his student, to walk with him in fellowship or communion so that that you would realize how much Christ loves you and how he died for you and how you can live in him now. That's simply what we're gonna embrace in this 2020. That's it. And so in 2022, I said 2020. In 2022, our plan is to simply open our Bibles a lot this year. A lot, say a lot. Yeah. As we learn and grow in the love and the life of God. So today we're going to celebrate the love and the life of Jesus by taking communion together. And so if you would, take out the little cups and bring out the wafer that represents the body of Christ. I want you to recognize today as we do this that that body I want you to get the picture of your mind of him saying come follow me come follow me bow your heads for a second if you're here this morning at the beginning of this year and God is saying come follow me and you don't have a relationship with Jesus we're going to invite you into a relationship with him if that's something you'd like to, to know more about if you would hold up your hand I want a relationship with Jesus I want to begin to be a believer in in him, not just that he is, but I believe in him for my own life. Amen, I just want to be sure we did that today. And so now as we take this, I want you to see his body, his presence, who he is, just in your mind's eye, saying, come, come follow me. Come learn from me. Come have your life in me. Watch watch me move you into that inner circle of understanding of who I am and how much I love you and what I have for you and what I have to happen in and through you. Can you see him inviting you? Those kind eyes, those strong. Hey, he's a carpenter. Strong shoulders, hand extended, probably a pretty rough hand. Now that's a, a nail-scarred hand. But he's extending to you right now and saying, come, follow me. Go ahead and take that breath. love that Jesus gives us the invite of coming to follow him. And think back to the disciples' time. They didn't know what all that was going to entail. <clears throat> but there was a stamp on that invitation. Come follow me. I'm going to give you life that's abundant. Come follow me. And there was a stamp on that invitation. A proof that that invitation was real and powerful and eternal. And that proof was the death on the cross, the shedding of his blood going into the tomb, raising again on three days, after three days, and walking with his disciples then and now walking with his disciples as well. Man, as you take this, follow us. Be reminded of that. Father, we're reminded of of the invitation. As you say, come follow us. We can see your body inviting us. And we're reminded, Lord, that, that you loved us so much. You put a stamp on that invitation. As you went to the cross to die and raise again, that we may have life more life, abundant life. We thank you, Jesus. We embrace you. We press into you, not just for education, but for transformation. We'll do our part, and we know, God, we're confident in you that you will complete what you've begun in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna put on the screen where we're going next week. You can put it in your notebooks, or you can look online at today's notes. We'll be covering next week John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Today's kind of a prologue to everything. So, John chapter 1, 1 through 18. And take some time this week to read through that passage of scripture. You know, maybe, maybe a few times. Maybe that's what you do every day during your fast. Is just read those scriptures, John 1, 1 through 18. Have your notebook. What's the Lord saying? You know, He'll probably preach a better sermon to you than I'll preach to you next Sunday. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.